0: Brooklyn Junior Church. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open just to that passage. Uh, Mark chapter one verses forty through forty-five. It's where we're going to be for uh, almost the entirety of the sermon. A couple of uh, cross references, but this is going to be the main place that we're going to going to just sort of sit and hang out and camp today. Uh, that we're in the middle of our sermon series, "Portraits of Jesus," um, and what we what I'm trying to do is draw out some of the stories of Jesus, maybe that we've we know on the surface, but there's Perhaps, maybe, something uh, more happening uh, in the background of these stories uh, that. Every time I turn it off, I'm going to have to fix that eventually. Uh, Maybe there's something in the background of these stories that uh, maybe we skip over, we don't get on the first read, and so uh, this particular sermon. Uh, hopefully, is going to fit that criteria. Uh, and so, so you know where we are, this is still in the first chapter of Mark. Mark has uh, just finishes uh, telling us about the, the calling of uh, Peter uh, and Andrew, not Andres, um, That's a typo. That's my bad. Ignore it. And that's Peter and Andrew and James and John. So he just finished telling us that uh, Peter and Andrew were fishermen and they were called out of the boat and that James and John were with their father Zebedee uh, and they got called out of the boat. Uh, And then we we continue on and Jesus does his first um, sort of really big miracle. He actually heals Peter's mother-in-law, which I think is a very kind gesture because I know my mother-in-law... No, I love my mother-in-law. That's I had to wait till Nikki was out of the room to be able to tell that joke. Uh, No, but Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, he heals the family, uh, and and things get right, and and Jesus is then traveling, and it's in that sort of context that we transition to this story uh, about a leper, and this is what God's word says, this is Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And I, i found this really interesting, um, Mark has just finished telling us these life-changing events for people and naming every single one. This one is, is Peter, and this is Andrew, and this is James, and this is John, and this is their father, Zebedee, and this is the, this person and that person. And yet when we get to, to verse 40, he says this, that a leper came to him imploring him. I don't know what's making that noise, so I'm going to just move this. And this is what we're going to do. Because I, I can, I can keep preaching while I'm fiddling on a, on a soundboard. And so what happens is that this leper doesn't seem to have a face or a name. He doesn't have uh, the things that we... Uh, would attribute to uh, a person. And uh, I'm not sure if you've ever noticed this or not, but oftentimes what happens in our lives is that the problems that we have become our identity. Suddenly we start recognizing ourselves as the problem rather than the identity that God has given us. Now let me, let me explain this to you uh, I have friends who uh, uh, have gone through the, the ARC program and have come out the other side, they're you know recovering, but before they went in, everyone just knew them as this, that's the drunk, that's the alcoholic, that's the drug user, that's the porn user. And those things became their identity, and that's how people knew them and referenced them rather than, than the identity that they were given when they came to know Jesus Christ. See, when Jesus comes into your life, he gives you a new identity as a child of God, and what you are is his child. You're no longer what was in your past that defined you. And so what happens here is Mark introduces this person in an interesting way, I think, to try and get, his, uh, get our attention uh, by saying, this is just a leper. This is a nobody. Look, this, uh, let's just define him by what's wrong with him. Let's define him by the thing that's affected his life. Let's not give him a name or a face. And so his name becomes lost and his problems become his identity. And and I think, and I'm going to do a little bit of historical background here because I think uh, sometimes the dinner theater, all, uh, it, it helps sometimes, um, is we, we look at this term leprosy and we think, yeah, it's just someone who's sick, someone with a skin de- desi- uh, uh, skin problem and, you know, he had to cry unclean, unclean, and that's all true. But if you uh, if you want to turn there, I, I've got it up here on the screen so you know I'm not making it up. <clears throat> this is from the book of Leviticus. This is simply about uh, a leprous, so it says this, uh, this is Leviticus 13:45. This entire chapter, in case you're wondering, we see we're at verse 45. The previous 45 verses are all about leprosy. This is a long chapter and it's all about how you should treat someone who has leprosy. But these are the key points. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover up his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean he shall live alone his dwelling shall be outside the camp now this is actually kind of horrendous this is this is uh, uh, isolation which is was needed at the time because leprosy was a disease that had no cure. It has no way of getting uh, getting leprosy out of you. Once you have it, it was literally a death sentence. Uh, leprosy is a disease that starts uh, killing off the nerve so you stop feeling things. Uh, and so there are there are cases of, of lepers literally having uh, appendages cut off and not realizing it because they don't have the feelings in their hand anymore. Uh, this sort of... new neuropathy of not being able to touch is not just I can't reach out and touch something but if you lose the nerves in your fingers you can't feel that you're touching something. So if, you, if you've got a fireplace where you're cooking food and you don't realize that you're a little too close to it, you could be burning your hand and not even realizing it. Leprosy is a horrible disease. In this passage of, uh, about leprosy in Leviticus, um, on this infectious disease, uh, not only uh, was it that he couldn't be physically touched, so this leper who has no name, and no face, couldn't be touched. This is what I find interesting. He had to stay uh, at least 50 paces away from anyone at any given time. Okay some some of you so so let's do this. Uh, I am going to give leprosy to my friend Alan over here. I'm really sorry. He's got a he's got a very nice blazer. You've got leprosy. So 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20, 21 22 23 25, 26 27 28 29 30 31 32 33, 34, 35 36 37 38 39. this is very good I've got a good microphone I'm already in the kitchen uh, 40 41 42 43 44 45 46 47 48 49 50 I'm at the exit of the kitchen okay so I'm going to come back now because I know some of you think this is really weird that's okay Fifty paces is from where Alan is sitting to the exit of the kitchen. Now, for some of you, you've never actually worked in the kitchen, and that's okay. You might not know how far away that is. But for some of us who, who go in there, you know, every other day, that's a, that's a long way away. And so if Alan has leprosy, he has to stay fifty paces away from his wife from his children from his friends families, he can't work because he can't be interacting with people, he is as far ostracized from society as you can possibly get and if you take that to to understanding what their lives in this first century context actually meant, it meant he couldn't go to the temple, it means he couldn't worship God, he couldn't do anything. That was this guy's life. He had to stay 50 paces away with no friends, no family. uh, In this country, in... in, um, November and December we get together for quite a few holidays where the holidays are focused on families coming together and sitting around a table and sharing a meal and, and being thankful for things and, and learning about each other and celebrating the year that's just gone by. This guy had none of that. This nameless, faceless individual reaches out his hand to Jesus and So I want you also now to to understand, to realize sort of the risk that this gentleman was taking. Because it says that he reached out to Jesus, which means what? He came close to Jesus. So he's supposed to be in the kitchen exit. He's supposed to be 50 paces away, and instead what he does is he makes his way to Jesus. And I'm I'm not sure if you've ever had uh, uh, an experience where you've had to do something difficult and you know that you have to do it, but, but that first step is always, is always the most difficult thing, right? When, when, you, when you come to a conclusion that something in your life, that you have to do something, maybe God's calling you to a ministry, maybe God's uh, asking you to step out in faith and he hasn't revealed yet how he's going to get you from point A to point B, and the first thing he's doing is asking you to take that first step of faith. Sometimes that is the hardest of all the steps to take. And so you have to imagine that this guy who has no name and no face, he's just there, he's 50 paces away from Jesus because that's where he has been told he has to live his life and he decides that the only way that he's going to get healed is by coming to Jesus, but he has to take out that first step. And every step after had to have been hard. And he gets to Jesus, and this is what scripture tells us in verse 41 and 42 of Mark. Jesus moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Now there's a, an interesting word that I found in the Greek. I'm not going to even pretend that I know how to pronounce that. And here's the secret. If you're ever preaching, or if you're ever trying to tell people Greek words, just say it fast, say it with confidence, and most people will think they know what you're talking about. But obviously, I was studying this particular passage, and this word sort of jumped out because it looks ridiculously like a, like a word. Uh, so when you, when you read in your scripture that Jesus was moved with compassion, this is the word that is being translated there. And what's interesting is its direct translation is not compassion. It's not mercy. It's not kindness. It's not niceness. Uh, it's, its most direct translation, uh, literal translation rather, uh, is the feeling you get in the gut of your stomach. Uh, you know that feeling when you, you're on a roller coaster. You go over the hill, and the bottom falls out of your stomach. You know that feeling. That's what this feeling is. It's actually not mercy. It's not compassion. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the translation is that it's, it's gut-wrenched anger, gut-wrenching anger. And an interesting reaction for Jesus to have. And so in in modern translations, some of them do translate it uh, as uh, compassion. In fact, the one that we read said that he was moved with compassion. Uh, Some translations will say that he was angry with the gentleman who reached out his hand and touched him for healing. Um, So so when Jesus has an emotion, I think it's important for us to try and understand what the real emotion was and why. Jesus had a gut-wrenching, angry feeling. Uh, In fact, oh, here's the the translation. To be moved as to one's bowels, hence to be moved with compassion and have compassion, because in the ancient times, the bowels were the place where, uh, thought to be the seat of love and pity. I always find that interesting. Uh, The the, the heart being a place of the, the, the love, compassion, and pity is a relatively modern idea. They actually think that comes from this area. From the gut. It's not simply... Anger or compassion. In reading this I tried to read several different commentaries on perhaps what this could mean. And and a lot of people had a lot of different ideas, but, but I came up with this. I, I think it was I think it was at this question, if you're willing. Because if you know Jesus, you know he's willing. If you know who Jesus is and what he came to do and what he what he did on the cross, if you know everything about Jesus, you know that he is willing. But, but I also wonder if this isn't just about his, his ministry, but also about him as a person. I mean, how many times had this leper met people who wanted him to stay the 50 paces away? Jesus could have seen this leper coming and start backing up and started walking away, but Jesus didn't. And so this guy comes and says if you're willing Jesus says of course I'm willing I, just, I stood right here I waited for you to come I waited for you to reach out to me in faith of course I'm you know maybe that's where that anger sort of come from that gut wrenching feeling in the bottom of his stomach that when his stomach dropped out of the bottom maybe it's because Jesus was willing and he 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 wanted this person to understand that, and it seems like from his his, his dialogue that he didn't understand that. And in fact, he had to reach out and ask the question: Are you sure? Are you willing? Do you really want to do this? The 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 really the best example I can give, give of this is is when I offer to do something for my wife. I say, Hey, love, would you like me to take care of that for you? Well, let me let me let me just do that. Let me do it. It, it's simple. Like this is we're not talking major things like let me unload the dishwasher. Let let me do that, you go sit down, you've had a long day, let me do that. And she, she turns to me and she says, are you sure? Right, Gentlemen who are married, we know this, right? This is what they do. For the longest time, I said to her, I wouldn't have offered if I wasn't sure. Like, um, I don't know if you guys know me well enough, but I'm not a man who, who, who just talks out of the sake of talking. I don't talk, uh, unless I'm preaching, then that's a different concept. But if we're having a conversation, I don't use a lot of words normally, right? If I want to say something, I say it, and then that's it. I don't really speak if I'm not willing to do something. And so uh, for the longest time, I responded to my wife uh, from a place of of the word that I cannot pronounce, of the stomach falling out, getting that little bit angry by saying, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have offered. If I wasn't willing to do it, I wouldn't have offered. Like, why do you have to? Well, I still haven't come up with a, a way of fixing that. But I think maybe the place where Jesus' gut falls out, it's like, well, I'm, of course I will. Of course i will if you were willing after jesus heals him in verse 44 this is what uh what happens uh, and jesus said to him see that you say nothing to anyone but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what moses commanded for a proof to them uh the big part of this and, and when nikki read for us i think she laughed a little because of what happened after this uh, jesus gives this man an instruction say nothing Because Jesus doesn't want the fame. He doesn't want the glory for the healing. He wants to to help this man's life so that his life is better and that man can then go away uh, and and do what he needs to do, make the offering. He can be reunited with his friends, with his family. He can once again go into church and make the proper offerings and atone for his sins. And this guy is good then. He's good to go. And that's what Jesus wanted. Uh, And so Jesus said to him, Say nothing but but." perhaps like many of us, when Jesus does an actual work in our life and actually changes our lives for us, it is very difficult to not talk about it. It's very difficult to not stand up and proclaim that Jesus has changed our lives for the better. It's very difficult to stand up and not say to people, look, you need to check this guy out. Look what he's done. If he's done this for me, he can do this for you. And so this guy, uh, he went out and began immediately to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in a desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. The word desolate there can also be translated as lonely places. Uh, and, And that's why I actually titled this sermon Lonely Places. Because I want you to think about this. Where did the leper live for as long as he had leprosy? In the lonely places. In the 50 paces away from everyone. From 50 paces from where Alan is sitting to the back door of the building. In the lonely places, that is where the leper hung out. After Jesus was willing and healed him, Jesus then had to hang out in the lonely places. Part of the fundamental story of the gospel, it's part of the song that I just that we just sang, Jesus took this guy's place in a foreshadowing of what Jesus would ultimately do on the cross of Calvary. Jesus took this guy's place in the lonely places. He made it so this guy no longer had to be isolated, to be alone, that he no longer had to be in a a place of sin and separated from a loving God. Jesus took his place like he would later take his place on the cross, like Jesus would later take you and me and our spots on the cross. The Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In the book of Romans it says that while you and I were yet sinners, Christ died for us to demonstrate the love of God. The love of Jesus Christ was demonstrated in its fullness on the cross, but all through the Gospels. You can see it rearing its head as a preemptive, as a prelude to the cross. And this is what you need to know, that Jesus takes the lonely place and exchange it for a place of love. That you can live in a place of sin and separation from God, but you don't have to because Jesus took that place on the cross and brought you into the presence of a holy and loving God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the time to come into your presence.